Push, push. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, today on the show, I have The Rock. Maybe not that rock, but another one, even better, because he's plant-based, he's a doctor, and he goes by Dr. Rock. Please welcome him to the show. It's so nice to meet you. Ah, Chef AJ, it's so nice to meet you finally. Uh, uh, I say finally because I've been watching your videos for years, and um, as I'll talk about my plant-based transition, like this world, this community that I um, entered into, I would say, is with just open arms. There's so many people in the plant-based world who are, I mean, it's really just defined by compassion and love. I feel like saying like, you know, if you're plant-based, you're family. Yeah, that's it. That's it. In, the, in the lifestyle medicine world, um, that's what somebody told me very early on. Somebody, our mutual friend, uh, Rajiv Mesquita, he told me, you can reach out to anyone. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. I will, would say so. And they will just, you know, because this this passion, this desire to help others is like a mutual shared um, shared passion. Absolutely. And you know, you're on this show because you were referred by another regular guest, Dr. Lori Marvis. A lot of people say, well, don't you reach out to guests? I don't need to because guests <laughs> they pretty much book my show for me. So if you came from a recommendation, we know you're awesome, but I'd love to hear your story about how you became plant-based. Well, and just really quickly about Dr. Lori Marvis, um, you know, that's how I I met her because I take um, you know the compliment supplements. I've heard of them, yeah. Yeah, they're they're designed for plant based people who eat plant based, and so I I take that as my daily supplement. And they, on their email list, they said, "Oh, we have a friend who has a podcast who's looking for stories of uh, plant based eating transform their life." And uh, I saw that this was a couple of years ago now, like a year and a half ago. And I said, uh, that's me. I got to write my story and I won't get into, uh, you, I will get into my story because my story is what I'm going to talk about during my talk today. But, but, uh, I wrote my story and then, and then I didn't realize who was on the other side, which is they, their friend was Lori Marvis, Dr. Lori Marvis, who's on your show. I know regularly and is a good friend of yours and was the one who introduced us. And the way I met Lori was through that podcast. I was on her podcast. And then afterwards she was like, oh, and I'm starting a new company. And uh, this was Mora. And I know Lori came on and talked about Mora and Mora um, for, you know, your watchers who don't know was uh, uh, just an amazing startup that um, had this vision, this goal of, democratizing lifestyle medicine care, them really making the foundation of care, the focus of it, changing your lifestyle habits. And we were doing that virtually telehealth and we were accepting insurance. I know it sounds almost too good to be true. It ended up, I think being ahead of its time and at the moment too good to be true. But, um, but these are efforts that so many people in the lifestyle medicine world continue to work on. Dr. Marvis is working on it. I'm working on it. And um, it's that. So anyway, that was a gift. That job was like um, 
incredible and everything I learned there was incredible and um yeah so that's that is so met. cool what, what what are you doing now are you in private practice do you do virtual consult yeah so Mora closed um we closed our services in in August and um and then I asked myself I'm like well, what do I want to do now right like and I used to work at um, I used to work at Kaiser, and I have nothing at all. I have only amazing things to say about Kaiser. I, I'm still a Kaiser member, so that's. Um, I left Kaiser because I knew, as I'll talk about in my talk, like I knew in my heart, this is what I needed to do, how to serve the world, in my full capacity, and unfortunately, at that time, there wasn't really the opportunity a couple of years ago to do that where I was. And then, and then I met Lori and this opportunity just sort of like the universe was like, here you go. <laughs> what you've been asking for, you want to do this all your time? Here you go. And so after more I ended, I said, I still want to do this all my time. Like, how do I make this happen? And so I've started my own virtual telehealth. One of the cool things at Mora is then I got licensed in multiple states. So I'm licensed in 10 states now. And, uh, and it's a mem these are memberships, but the core of my program is actually virtual groups. And my program, it's um, I'm Dr. Rock, and it's called Rock Your Life. And my website in the show notes, but it's rockyourlife.com. Not rock your world. <laughs> Not rock your world. Although, no. <laughs> rock your life is, what is that? What does that mean? It means living a life that's meaningful to you. It means living a life that you enjoy, that, you know, live, living a life of ease. You know, we always talk about health as being an absence of disease, disease. But you know, your listeners know, your, your viewers know, like good health is so much more than that. Good health is, is all the things that you can do in this world and all the relationships you have and all the experiences you can have. And, but in healthcare, we so often talk about like, oh, you don't have pain, good. <laughs> you don't have diabetes, good. Like you've met our threshold of health, but that is not what health means to people. And so rock your life is like, how do you, you go beyond like, let's reverse your disease. Absolutely. We know a whole food plant-based diet reverses 80, 90% of the chronic disease that we take care of. But there's a way to do that. And so I think in healthcare, we often talk about, I'm getting a little off topic, but in health, not really. Healthcare, we often talk about the circumstances. We say, okay, you have diabetes. Like we check the numbers. Someone's blood pressure is high. You have hypertension. We check the numbers. Um, now you have prediabetes. Now you have diabetes. Now, you, now you're overweight or now you have obesity. Like we, we have these, these circumstances that, and then we say, okay, with this circumstance, you have to do this thing. And the thing very often in healthcare is take this pill. Why? Because there's very little time. You know, the visits are short. And we're trying to ask someone to do something new. We're asking someone who now has these circumstances, how, what caused those circumstances? It's usually stress, overwhelm, difficulty in one's life that led to those circumstances. And so now we're adding a new list. We're saying, okay, here's more things you need to do. And so well-intentioned doctors will say you need to eat healthy and, and lose weight. They won't necessarily say how, 
but that's just adding to a list of of overwhelm and and chores and i like to call it the exhaust cloud right so here's how i think of healthcare and how i work with my patients right we don't start there right and then the the cuz the, the 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 goal of all of that is to change the results then to change the circumstances but that often doesn't happen and people don't and they take the pills they take the pills and the numbers get better and they don't feel better and that's because most of the medications really they don't treat the underlying disease if they did we wouldn't have more medication use than we've ever had in human history and more disease than we've ever had in human history if the pills treated the disease there wouldn't be more and more disease the pills don't treat the disease so then they don't feel better in fact often they feel worse not i'm not saying don't use medication i use medication in my practice all the time there's a place for medication but that this is what often happens but what if you started with the question of what is meaningful to you what do you value in this world what's important to you and you you know i ask all my patients chef aj like the first time i meet them i say why do you want to be healthy and i never once had a patient first of all stop me and say doctor excuse me no i don't want to be healthy <laughs> not one <laughs> Everybody wants to be healthy, but then that question of what does healthy mean? Then I say, tell me, what, is, what does that look like? What does the life look like to you? What does that aspirational life kind of look like to you? And they talk about their grandkids and their kids and future milestones they want to see and trips they've taken and trips they want to take. And they talk about hard things too, parents and loved ones they've seen who have suffered from chronic disease that they don't want to experience that. You know, they don't want to go through the same fate that they've seen people that are really close to them experience. And these things come up. And then the next question, I don't have to say, okay, do this, 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 this. The next question that comes out is, how do I live this life? How do I get to this place? Then we can have a conversation about changing the behaviors. And then the circumstances change. And that is the beauty of this. This becomes then starting with one's aspirations. So that's how I've structured my business. And R-A-K is my name, but it's also an acronym. <laughs> it stands for Roots, Awareness, and Kindness. And roots are this, roots are your sort of deeper purpose, your why, that's where we start. And then awareness as I'll, I, once I eventually get to this talk, awareness is like that superpower. And my whole journey started through meditation, which I'll talk about. And uh, awareness, I layer that in, in everything because you know becoming self-aware of how you feel, how food makes you feel, your addictions, your cravings, you know, all of these things then become the scaffolding to, to make future change. And you become so much more effective at it. And, and then K is kindness. And kindness is how we make change. We make kind changes. We make changes that, you know, I say they, they're changes that feel good. They're good for you. And they also move you in the direction of your goals. And 
kindness also reminds us that, you know, we don't go somewhere by punishing ourselves. That only takes you so far. You know, we go far when we when we make changes that that are kind and when we're kind to ourselves and to others. That's what that's it. That's what creates the, the community and the energy to, to get you very far. So that's how you rock your life. <laughs> you can work with me. Go to my website. There's memberships. We have tribes that have started. Uh, I have a Monday night group. Uh, that's what they're called. They're called tribes. And um, they're just a, a beautiful, beautiful experience. A beautiful place where everybody is coming together. In this current environment, there's an epidemic of loneliness, right? Vivek Murthy talks about this epidemic. He's written so beautifully about epidemic of loneliness. And so just to create a space where you have like-minded people who are all on the same path, the same journey, they want to improve their life, their health. They want to live this aspirational life and supporting each other and coming together like that and, and really listening. We listen deeply. I always talk about um, something I learned from Rachel Naomi Remen, which is generous listening. You listen to the other person, not to try and fix anything, but listening to them, knowing what they're saying is true for them in this moment. And that's it. And so we do that and um, and we have a wonderful, fun, beautiful time and it's transformational. And so I did that at Mora and I said, how do I do this again? I have to keep doing this. I was meant to do this. And so the universe didn't then say, okay, here's another startup doing this. I was waiting. I was looking at my email. I was like, come on. I said, no, you have to create something where you get to do this because people need this. And you need absolutely. This. I love. Is that a neon? It looks like a, a fist bump. It's, it's fist bump, right? I love so it. The logo of Rock Your Life is actually like a rocky fist bump. I couldn't find a rocky one for the. But I got this on Etsy. But that fist bump is why do we give bumps to people? We give bumps to people to show love, to show support, to say, you know, I'm here for you. And one of the things I love to do, I learned this from. Uh, first of all, you know, BJ Fogg. I don't know, but I've read his book. Tiny yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I don't know him either, but I've read his book. Lori knows him. Lori is, I love Lori. She's like, I wanted to get him on my podcast, so I joined his coaching program <laughs> or something. And she's like, I learned a lot and I got to become. So um, BJ Fogg, for those of you who don't know, he's a behavioral um, scientist at Stanford and he studies how people make behavior change. And he has this method called Tiny Habits. Um and it's where you make really small changes, right? And it's beautiful. Actually, the book is beautiful and his whole um, method is beautiful. And I, why did I bring up PJ Fogg now? What was I saying? Um, um, shoot, I don't remember. <laughs> Something about the fist bump? Oh yeah, the fist bump. Oh, so he says you should show yourself shine. So he says, when you make a decision, in the moment when you decide to do something that is in alignment with this sort of aspirational identity that you've created for yourself, that you should reward yourself. So when I would take the stairs at the hospital, it was like, okay, I got up to the six, and this was six, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago. It was really hard for me. I remember when I started doing it, I would be so out of breath and I would give myself, that's what I decided. He said, it can be anything. You can give yourself a pat on the back. You can say something. Um, we did this in my group on Monday and one of my patients <laughs> said she's now going to 
tell herself she's a badass <laughs> every time. And I love that. And so I give myself a fist bump. And when I was thinking about what I want embl emblematic for, for my new company, right? It was that. It was like how this kindness in an image. That's what I... Anyway, so that is a, uh, a little background. About me. Great. Well, I, I can't wait to see your presentation. Okay. Let me share my screen. Almost there. Oh, except. Yep. There we go. Oh, I love your slide. Thank you. Yeah. Some of this is. Um, yeah, I got, it was nice to, up. so this talk actually, uh, when did I first give it? I think five years ago now, I can't remember. Yeah, maybe five years ago. And uh, as you'll learn why, but I was able, I was able to update, I was updating it for this experience. So, uh, and then sort of branding it with my, so there's the fist bump for Rock Your Life. And so the title of the talk is 10 Things I Wish I Had Known Before Going Plant-Based. Um, this is just a medical disclaimer, which I think is also in the um, comments or in the YouTube thing below. And I, any talk I give for the last, since since I developed this talk, maybe five, six years ago, I've given many talks since then. I always, always start with this slide. And for me, it's a reminder of why I'm giving this talk. And so, you know, whoever out there is watching, I don't know who's watching. Some of you, I maybe know. Maybe my mom is <laughs> I'm giving this talk because I care about you. I don't know all of you, but I care about all of you. And I this talk was actually developed for healthcare workers, as you'll you'll learn. And and I would always say to them, and I'm saying it to everyone out there, is that like I know how hard life can be and how many things are going on and how many people are relying on you. And that's also how I know how important it is to have good health and how that can then impact you in the way you can show up for all those other people and show up for yourself. And so I want you to be healthy. And I can't think of a better way to, to, to symbolize that than a heart shaped with plants. Because as you'll learn, as you know, um, eating more eating more plants um, is just a beautiful way to improve your health. It's something I really believe in. Um, I don't have any disclosures. If I mention any websites or products, it's because I use them and I like them. No one's paying me. Um, and then I just, if you're watching at home or watching this video, like just get a piece of paper and a pen. Okay, so I've sprinkled in uh, various self-reflection questions to, to, um, to have you ponder your own sort of health journey and where you are. Um, yeah. Okay. So, and some of these images, like this image was, was AI generated. And so what did I ask? <laughs> what was my prompt? It was, um, please draw an overweight, uh, middle-aged, like, mid thirties, Indian man, <laughs> Indian doctor, um, sitting at a, uh, a conference on plant-based eating with a skeptical look on his face. <laughs> and my wife saw this and she said, how did you get that? That looks just like you. It looks, 
it does look uncannily like me from like nine years ago. So this was almost nine years ago. And I um, went to, I always went to the lunchtime conference because they gave us lunch. And the hospital lunch was always, you know, like pizza and Chinese food. And it's not unfortunately healthy food, uh, but I loved it. I loved it because that's the way I ate. I ate a standard American diet. Um, and that particular day though, they were serving black bean and sweet potato. They called them quesadillas, but there was no cheese. And there was a side of salsa and a side of guacamole. And um, it was actually amazing. It was really good. I was I went in with this sort of like, what is this? And then ate it and I really liked it. And the talk that day, was from a another doctor. This is a doctor who um, actually, Chef AJ, I know you know and has been on your show and um, and his wife has been on your show and um, I believe you know them locally. Um, Dr. Rajiv Mesquita was going at that time because I was working at Kaiser. He was going from medical center to medical center to medical center. This was before virtual. So he was driving across the region and basically telling his story. And this was when he was 40, he was dropping his two young kids off at school and started having chest pain and drove himself, at that point, drove himself to his emergency room and ended up having heart blockage, heart vessel blockages that needed to be stented. And then nobody talked to him about and I know he's he's been on. You, I encourage you to watch the interview that that you did a few years ago with with him, Chef AJ. But to your viewers, but nobody talked to him um, about how he should be eating. You know, he he took it on himself, and he went on the American Heart Association diet, which at the time was suggesting like he up sort of fruits, veggies for sure, but also like lean meat prefer lean meat and olive oil and exercise more. He started exercising a lot more. And it was about six months later when he was 41 that he was at the gym, like exercising and started getting more chest pain. He went back to the hospital, went back to the cath lab, had new disease and not just new disease, some of those prior stents had closed up. So now he needed to get bypass surgery. And so it was left like asking himself, like, what, what is this? Like, this isn't the life I want to, I have two young children, I'm 41, like, this isn't the life I want to live and did a deep dive in the literature and discovered something. I love how like those of us in lifestyle medicine, like plant-based world, like it's often this, like, it's like a, dis I mean, it's now becoming more and more mainstream, but like, it's like, this wasn't taught to me in medical school. That's the same reaction I had. When I was sitting there, I was sort of like, huh. And so he proceeded to go through the what he learned in his deep dive of the literature, which is that we've known for decades that a whole unprocessed plant-based diet has the power to prevent, not just prevent, but even reverse heart disease. Our number one killer can reverse. And so he then committed from that day on to go, not just to go on that diet, then he became a voice and a beacon for that way of eating first within his family and his community, and then at his medical center with his patients. And then he went on to form the first uh, Department of Lifestyle Medicine at Kaiser in Northern California. Um, 
and was instrumental in my journey anyway. So I he encouraged everyone that day to sign up for this three-week plant-based eating challenge. Okay, I was 34 at the time. I had a three-year-old, I had a one-year-old, and my wife and I were expecting our third child. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, basically he's describing me in six years. And so I, I was scared. I was inspired for sure, but I was also scared because um, for years I had neglected my my sort of diet and lifestyle. And so, so I signed up for this 21 day challenge. And within a day or two, I started deleting the emails and sort of going back to eating the food that they were bringing for the, the doctors and the conferences. Uh, because I wasn't ready. Truth be told, I wasn't ready to make a, such a big change. Um, eventually, I did feel ready, and I'll talk about that. But that's what this picture represents, that there are multiple paths that one can take in this journey, and that the journey kind of has these twists and turns. And so today, I want to share my experience um, to kind of point that out. You know, if you are on a detour or a pit stop, that is normal. And so maybe this talk, this session will sort of reinvigorate you to, to get back on track. Um, it's an opportunity to recommit to your journey of plant-based eating. And this is an opportunity, I would say, if, you know, I'm sure your viewers love to share your videos, but some can be very specific for people who are already on a plant-based diet. But this would be an opportunity to share this with a loved one who you care about, who may be plant curious or would be open to this message. And yeah. yeah. So top 10 things. Okay. And number one, and I've already talked about number one quite a bit, so... But number one is first a recognition that change can be difficult and that understanding as I've talked about your roots, your why, okay? So there's a picture of someone meditating here because I think it was meditation that ultimately led me to understand my motivations for wanting to make a big change in the way that I was eating. As, as I said, I was in my mid thirties, my wife was pregnant. We had two young kids and I was a few years into my career working as a hospital doctor and I was already feeling burnt out. I would come home and I would have this sort of physical and emotional and mental exhaustion. And then, you know, I would sort of lay it out, <laughs> let it out to my family. My, my, my young kids and my wife would sort of get the brunt of me. To, well, this nurse did this and this patient did this. Um, and my wife said to me once, she said, you know, we're often, we're always usually in a good mood. And then you come home. And, and, and in the moment, I remember saying, I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. I'm not allowed to be in a bad mood at work. So when I complain and vent, you know, this is what I get to do when I come home. And her response was, how is it fair that the people you love the most get the worst version of you. Mm. 
oh, even saying it now, right? My, um, I didn't know how to respond. You know, I, I didn't want to be that person. And this wasn't the the father or the husband that I wanted to be. I I advanced the slide too quickly, but that's okay. This is my family. Oh, so cute. This is from a few years ago, but that's my wife and then my daughter, Sahana, who's now 12. Oh, they grow up fast. And then my youngest is in the middle Actually, our youngest, youngest is in the middle of Zeus. He's about to turn three. And then uh, and then Pavan, my son, is eight. And Rohan is ten, nine, nine. I lose count. So. And don't I, forget the doggy. Don't forget the yeah, doggy. Zeus. Zeus is three. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Zeus is our pandemic puppy. He's, he's a really good guard dog. So. <laughs> We ever have you to our house we have to go on a walk for 30 minutes with zeus first before you're allowed into the home because <laughs> he has to make sure you're okay um so so the universe i think it listens to you when you say i i love these people and i just i need to do something different and um there was this talk at work um, again, I and I go back to the kindness of these folks that these colleagues of mine that were giving these talks at the time, you know, like Dr. Mosquita and, and um, this talk was given by a colleague of mine, Dr. Jesse Mahoney, um, who was running the physician wellness group, and it was called uh, evidence-based happiness. You have to put the evidence-based in for doctors. <laughs> And so evidence-based happiness, and so I, my sort of BS alarm went, back then I didn't think happiness was a choice. And so I went sort of with the skepticism and um, and I remember during the, the session, they had us take out our phone at some point and they said, text somebody you work with, telling them why you appreciate them. And I texted one of my colleagues, Ray, who was there to office with me and it's like 20 years senior to me. And when I had started, and even then I would often ask him for clinical advice and he had three kids and I was about to have my third kid. So he had become this sort of like mentor, like father figure friend for me. And I told him that in a brief message and then they had us put it away and they said, how do you feel? And I was like, I feel better. And for me, that was like a light bulb moment. It was like, whoa, like, I did that thing. <laughs> I told somebody I appreciate them and why, and then now I feel better. Like, what else can I do? And so that's when they talked about mindfulness meditation. And this was, I think, in 2015. I think, yeah, 2015. So so then I went home and it took a, a, a couple weeks or a couple days of, of trying when was the best time to do it. I tried doing it in the morning. I was using the Headspace app and just 10 minutes a day. I said, I can do 10 minutes a day. And I committed to myself to do 30 days because I said, well, if the text message made me feel better, <laughs> maybe this will. And so I ended up trying in the morning. I would get up late. The kids would be running around. I tried at night. I would fall asleep. So I ended up doing it in my car. I figured out, like, if I pulled to the side of the road before I get into the house and do 10 minutes, it was just this wonderful way to, to 
let go of everything the day and then and there I was sitting and it was so uncomfortable for me when I started I don't know chef do you meditate do you do any meditation not formally I do things that are meditative but I don't have regular practice that other people might consider meditation yeah I had never had a practice and for those of you that don't or do like you know if you just try to sit still for 10 minutes and you're not used to that it, it can be challenging and so i but the nice thing about these guided meditation apps is they they kind of guide you so you're just like okay well somebody and usually when you're doing a program it's a beginner program they're talking more um you know there's not big periods of silence so i started doing that and then i come home and then within a few weeks my wife's like something's different you just seem more present that she said it. I didn't say it. She said it. And I, and I said, you know, I'm doing, <laughs> I had to show her the app. She didn't believe me. I was like, I'm, I'm meditating in my car. And that little change, it was small. It sounds very small, but that was the evidence I needed that actually for so many years, I had been telling myself I was a victim I was a victim. I, I I didn't have a choice. I had to be this way when I came home. And in those, in that, in that situation, I, st I started to grasp this concept that no, actually, I do have a choice. I do have a choice in terms of who I choose to be, how I choose to show up, the choices I make on a daily basis, and how. And so that's when I started reconciling, like, other things that I had been doing, I started thinking about all these things, you know, what is my, you know, what is the person that I want to be? Like, who is the father I want to be? Right. And in that sense, I tell now all my patients like to answer that question. Like, what is it that's important to you? Why is it important for you to be healthy? And is it and the things that people say are these, you know, I want to continue to be independent, I'm strong and active, and I want to continue to be that way. Or, and this, an amazing, beautiful, you know, I love this planet and this world, and I want to do what is best for it and its inhabitants. And that comes from my love. And that's interesting because you look at, the people who are more um, adherent to to their diet and those that are doing it for these uh, not just internal reasons but external reasons too they're doing it for the welfare of others uh, are are tend to be more adherent um, so I mentioned that is that these aren't just personal aspirations these are aspirations you have for for your family, for your community, for for our society. Um, and so I'll just stop, I'm not won't stop, but I'm gonna just, if you have that pen and paper as I'm continuing, like just take a moment and reflect on your own motivation, your own roots. And, and what are those things that are important to you? And who is it that, that you know, you wanna be in this world? Because for me, I started asking, you know, that question, like, um, okay, I want to be like a father, you know, a father that my kids look at and they're like, oh, he's healthy. Like, 
I want them to learn practices that when, as they grow up and when they get older, like will ensure their good health. And so that, wouldn't it be great if we could, this is like the matrix, right? You could plug yourself in and you'd sort of, but what I learned and what I've learned through countless, and we all know this is change is hard. It's, it's, it can be easier and it can be well-planned, but it's changing our diet is particularly hard. Um, and so the first thing, like you sort of have to do a check-in with yourself and this could be yourself or somebody, you know, in your life. And you're sort of like, I know a lot of people, they're like, why doesn't so-and-so eat this way? They have this disease or they have this problem. And like, they would just, they would, everything would go away and they would be so healthy and everything, and they would enjoy the food. And you no know, people, I know <laughs> I probably had this frustration, but I know people have this frustration, but this is something, you know, we know in behavioral science is there are, and I love this characterization of it, it's one commonly used, is there are these stages of change where, you know, readiness, one's readiness to make change. And there's contemplative, pre-contemplative, contemplative preparation, action, maintenance, and relapse. And really quickly, that's like sort of first, like we learn it in medical school with smoking. And so pre-contemplative would be like someone who's smoking and doesn't even think that's a problem. There's very few smokers who are pre-contemplative. Most are contemplative. They're like, yeah, I know I shouldn't be doing this. I should quit, but uh, you know, it's hard or there's so many reasons, right? But you're thinking about it. And then there's various degrees of that. Preparation is when you're like, okay, I want to make that change. I want to quit. I got to figure out like how to do this. Like, what do people use? Oh, people use patches. Oh, people do this. Oh, there's this type of therapy. Okay. And then action is when you actually make the change. You're like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm quit a, pick a quick quit date, got the gum, you know, no, no smoking. Maintenance is like, okay, I started, but now I'm actually continuing to do this. How is month three going? How is month six going? How is year one going? How is year three going? Um, and I love, you know, really the honesty of this stage of change is that it, the relapse is right there that, you know, we don't, we don't get scared of relapse. We actually expect it. And, but we prepare for it. We prepare for it in that way. And then we understand like, okay, if it happens, we can, we can dissect why it happened. Why did, oh, okay. You were around friends who were smoking and um, you forgot to wear your patch that day or something. Or like, so then you can get better. Then the next time you go through this cycle, you don't necessarily have to spend it. You're not going to go through every stage again, but you're, you know, you may go back into the action phase with now the equipped knowledge. And as you know, this, there's, there's no failure, right? There's only learning. Um, but you ask yourself these questions and all everyone watching can ask themselves these questions. You can think about any change you've been contemplating. And in behavioral health, we ask these two questions. We wanna know how important it is to you. So it should be very important. Importance, you know, is on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most important thing. Ideally it should be a seven or a higher to kind of go into the action phase is how we characterize it. But higher the better is what I always say. Like this should be the most important thing to you because your importance is what then you'll pay attention to and then you'll put effort into. 
But then the other is actually your confidence. How confident are you that you'll be successful? Because it could be really, really important to you. But if you have a belief that you can't do this, <clears throat> then usually that belief comes true. And that confidence is really a reflection of the kind of mindset you have around change, this particular type of change. So you're asking yourself, because again, change is not easy. And so you're asking yourself, can I become this different person that does this different thing? In the case of your diet, can I become this person who eats different food? And you have to, you don't have to know how that's going to happen, but you have to believe that that other side is possible, not just possible, that is, it's, it's, it's going to happen. And then the how you figure out. But so if you can be a seven or higher, but ideally, okay. How are we doing on time? Are we, we're good? We're good? Chef? Oh, sorry, sorry about that. I was muted and I didn't know it. Yes, no, we're fine. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure. Okay. Cause I'm only on number two, but not all of these are super long. <laughs> um Number two is, is, is an important one though. And I think it often gets neglected when people are talking about changing their diet. Um, they go straight to like the changes and the food. And this is where awareness comes in. This is like really understanding your relationship with food. And that relationship with food is one of the most complicated. This, this is a throwback. I don't, most people may remember, like I think when Facebook or you know, service like Friendster, <laughs> Friendster um, started, there was like, you could put your relationship status, right? And it was like single and married or whatever. And then there's one that was complicated. And I was thinking about a relationship with food and how complicated it is because food is so many things in our lives. We don't just eat for nourishment, right? We, we often eat, um, we just often eat for enjoyment. And we have this immense emotional attachment to the food we eat. And so, for example, I learned early in my transition how much we use food to show love. And, and it's true, we do. We show love by making a nice meal for someone or going out to a restaurant. And we use meals as an opportunity to connect with people. And all of this makes changing what we eat so complicated because the thought of losing certain foods that give us that meaning doesn't feel good. And it doesn't feel good for us. And it also doesn't feel good for other people in our life. And so when I told my wife that I was doing this plant-based challenge, she literally, and so this was, so this was, this was a year after, and I, I think I left this part out, a year after I signed up for the challenge and kind of didn't do it. Then I went to this talk on meditation. Then I started meditating. Then I really started reconciling in my head. I was like, okay, I got to make this change. So I started doing, you know, plant-based Mondays and for about six or seven months. And on those Mondays, I proved to myself that there were like things that I could eat and that I enjoyed. And then the challenge came up again. And I said, this time I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for real. 100% whole food plant-based for three weeks. And so I've gone through that preparation phase that we talked about. Oh yeah, that's the slide I was supposed to make. I went through that preparation phase and then I sort of was like, I'm ready to move into the action phase. And so I sign up for the challenge. I tell my wife, I think it's like on a Sunday and the next day I come home 
and she's gotten sausage pizza. And and I said, no, didn't I tell you I'm doing this plant-based challenge? And and she said, no, no, I you said that last year. <laughs> or, you know, she didn't believe me, actually. And she said, I just got this kind of in a rush. Plus, I know you love it. I know you love it. And like, it makes you really happy. And she wasn't wrong. Because I used to eat a lot of food like this. I used to eat a lot of meat and dairy and processed food. And I was one of those people that had to have meat with every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and or it didn't feel like a meal. And I would look forward to going to steakhouses on my birthday, or if my wife would let me, I would try to get her to go on our anniversary. And I mean, I literally couldn't eat a salad without some chicken on it. So that night, I didn't eat the pizza. And... I remember she was kind of upset with me at first. And so that's when I, I I had to, first of all, I had to like tell her, no, listen, I'm doing this for our family. And I'm doing this because I can't keep living the way I had been living. I shared with her that night that I had gone to see my doctor the previous week. Uh, and gotten blood tests because they encouraged us to do that as part of this challenge. And in doing so, I learned that my um, blood pressure was elevated, my cholesterol was elevated, and that my um, blood glucose was in the range that showed prediabetes. My weight had gone up, and I had been a bigger guy most of my, even when I was a kid and, and adult life, but um, I kind of stopped weighing myself, but at that visit, I was informed that now I fell in the range of obesity and uh, and I was told to <laughs> diet and exercise without really specific. But thankfully, thankfully, I had the guidance of this challenge. Um, I showed this picture too, because it was during those three weeks that my mom came to visit and my mom always you know, when I was growing up, she made this chicken curry and that I loved. And so when she came and she wanted to make this, I said, mom, but I'm not eating this right now. Um, and, and I remember how sad she felt like she really felt sad. She, she did end up making it like she made it for my, my family or my kids. And, and I did, and I chose not to eat it. And I even remember like, you know, my wife at the time, she said, like, maybe you should just eat some to like make her feel better. And, and that was short lived though, because very quickly my mom was like, oh wait, I make all this vegetarian Indian food that you never wanted to eat when you were growing up. You always, always asked me for chicken <laughs> and kebabs. And, and so my mom makes tons. Of, I mean, that's most of her diet actually. So, so I put that in there to, to really point out that like very quickly new traditions develop. So food is love and food is what we use to show love, but you, you don't have to stay stuck in those traditions if they're not serving you because that is not love. That is not love. Having, having certain foods or having to, to, to accommodate someone else, knowing that that's, you know, not in line with the, the life that you and the health that you want for yourself, that is not love. So 
So when I learned that and I embraced that, and then it just, it it's now only grown into, um, I won't get too detailed about this. I think I'll move, but this is just to say that like, I mean, this is one of the things that I, you know, I, I, I had tried to lose weight in the past. Like I, I had, I got married, you know, and I'll show you a picture in a little bit, but like I got married and like in three months I lost like 30 pounds. Right. But I did that by forcing myself to run and my knee would like hurt <laughs> and eating the same food, but just like cutting it in half, like eating half of it. So just like feeling kind of hungry, but I was like, I can do this for three months, for three months. And then after three months, guess what? You know, the very next day I ordered like, you know, a buffet to the, to the apartment and, and it didn't take long, right. For me to regain all that weight and then keep, keep putting on more weight. But that's because so much of the time diets are framed as punishments or restrictions. So here's an example. Imagine two friends, Alex and Sam, and both decide to skip dessert at a party. Alex says, I'm on a strict diet and and sort of feels miserable for not having the cake, thinking like, I can't have that, it's bad. Sam, on the other hand, is also on a health journey and thinks like, I'm choosing not to have that cake tonight because I feel really good. And I know I'll feel better when I wake up tomorrow and I'm taking care of my health. And even though both didn't eat the cake, it's Alex that feels restricted it's Alex that leaves feeling like I didn't get, or ends up having it and then feels shameful about that decision. It's Sam who feels controlled, who feels control, in control, right? Who feels like I have a choice. And it's not just what you do, but why you do what you do that defines whether or not your eating habits are, I would say a healthy lifestyle or a kind of disordered more falling in that range of disordered or or even what we consider conventional diets, right? In the middle was like sort of conventional diets, which society doesn't necessarily even consider disordered, but I think still falls in that framework. So just reflect on that for you for yourself. Like why you eat the way you do. Is it about your self-care or is it about self-denial? Okay. Number three. How are we doing? Oh good, good. Mm -hmm. Um, so my own health would definitely get better. So this is the crazy thing, right? I didn't actually think I was unhealthy. This is me, 26. I just was finishing medical school, uh, 29. This was right. This was three months before I got married. <laughs> you know, I gotta just say you look better and younger now. I, I, I thank you. Okay. Yeah. I, people have told me that. And so I, it's a reverse aging, right? No, it's, it's healthy lifestyle, right? And actually, Michael Greger just has his new book. He just spoke at the Lifestyle Medicine Conference. His new book coming out um, next month, How Not to Age, right? So, yeah, it's probably true. And 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 this was, I think, a year and a half, a year after my daughter was born. Um, so, I again, this wasn't anything like this was. I just sort of assumed, like, okay, I'm sort of a bigger guy. Um, I ate, like I said, a lot of processed food. I ate a lot of fast food, you know, particularly when I was stressed, particularly in like medical school and residency. 
it was just so easy and it just it, it makes you feel good in the moment and so you know and i moved to california and i was like what is this in and out and oh, there's, a, there's a i live near this in daily city which is not far from where i live there's an in and out and a krispy cream right next to each other like and they have, they share the same parking lot and so like i would do a 30 hour call and then i would believe it or not i would drive <laughs> my friend and i would drive to that anyway that is that is how i used food you know and i was like oh this is you're treating yourself this is an opportunity to like show yourself some like at the time i thought this is how i show myself love you know by by giving myself this very hyper palatable food that i was addicted to that i was addicted to and that i was using to basically deal with a lot of stress and and overwhelm and depression so what is it what is it hap what happens when someone who eats like that doesn't eat like that for 3 weeks well, I point this out because especially if you're sharing this with somebody who's like, I want to do a three week and they're on a, um, and I kind of knew some of this, right, going into it. But the first few days, I think I was kind of withdrawing, right? And so food companies literally make their products to be addictive, right? And so why in all these different cracker varieties are they adding a few grams of sugar? You don't need to add sugar to these crackers if only you're trying to make them more addictive because it releases a little bit of dopamine, right? And and we know dairy has casomorphone. This is a derivative scientists have found that basically mimics morphine. It mimics, it's a mild opiate, right? So if you're a young, whatever, young baby animal of any sort, right? And you don't know that you're supposed to be eating, like getting a little bit of that opiate and then experience a little bit of that withdrawal will keep you coming back until you figure it out. It evolved that way. But now when we make cheese, you concentrate that. And so I used to eat a lot of cheese. I used to eat a lot of pizza. And so there's this withdrawal. So I would say the first few days, I was like, ah, this doesn't feel good, right? And it also like, if you're not used to eating that much fiber, if you're not used to eating, like suddenly, like I had been eating this way one day a week on Mondays, I would sort of like eat a lot of plant-based food. And then now I went to doing it every day. So my digestive tract took a little bit of time to, to, cause your gut flora starts to change. Right. And that's a good thing as we'll talk about, but, and I, at the time I was wearing a Fitbit and I just think it's super fascinating is that when we started in uh, April of 11th of 2016, my resting heart rate was in the 70s, 78, which, you know, we'd say is normal, but, you know, for a, a 30 something year old male, like that's actually not a fit heart rate. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't exercising at all during these three weeks. I was just eating whole unprocessed plant food. Uh, I went to a restaurant once and that was a fully vegan meal. And I think they used a little bit of oil, but like, other than that, I was like oil free everything for three weeks. And my, and three weeks later, my heart rate was in the fifties, you know, that of like a fit athlete <laughs> who, you know, and my LDL went down in 40 points in three weeks. Um, my pre-diabetes reversed in three weeks and I lost 10 pounds and I wasn't even trying to lose weight. 
I, at that point, I was like, I'm doing this for my health and my family. And, um, and then the weight just started coming off. And I became a believer. You know, I just turned, um, well, not just when I, I, I turned 43 this year. Um, and, and I realized, you know, 40, 41, like I was just around the age when Dr. Mesquita had his initial uh, events. And before I switched my diet, I had just assumed that I was destined to keep gaining weight. And I was working in the hospital. I mean, I knew better than anyone what the end result of the way I was eating and living. I was taking care of people who had um, heart attacks and strokes. So what happens when you start meditating and then eating a bunch of plants? And then I went on to start strength training a year after that. And now I do that regularly and I do yoga and I do cold plunge and I do all these things. I go hiking. Um, you know, what happens 10 years later, you realize someone who was eating the standard American diet um, that you've completely transformed. That you, that's me in my garage gym, which I built <laughs> during the pandemic. And I never would have imagined that I would even do something like that. Uh, but fueling my body with plants has given me the energy to work out consistently for the first time in my life. And, and then when the gyms closed, I was like, oh, I need to build something. Um, and it's not all about weight loss. In fact, that was never the main goal of my diet. I think that I often will tell my patients, I know that's often our goal, like someone's goal. I don't say like, don't have a goal of weight loss. But there's always a deeper reason why you want to lose weight. And that brings me to my next, which is the good health that comes from eating more plants. And um, Chef, do you know what these points on the map are? I'm guessing they're the blue zones. The blue zones. And they are <laughs> the blue dots, Yeah. So yeah, you probably all your viewers know this, but blue zones, right? This anthropologic concept from Dan Buettner, who wrote about these populations. He was working at National Geographic and he was like, why is it that these people live 10, 20 years long? Why is it that they have so many hundred year olds, right? And so he commissioned a study and they went into these or they basically surveyed the globe and they found these different populations. And one of them, as you'll notice, is here in the United States in Loma Linda in Southern California, where there is a large percentage of the population that is Seventh-day Adventist, where part of their religious teaching is to avoid animal products, who on average lived close to 90 years old, and they're much less likely to have obesity, or cardiac disease, or most types of cancer, or diabetes. So they're living longer, and they're living higher quality years of life, too. And what is it that these blue zones have in common? It's not a huge, complicated list, right? They have strong families. They have social engagement. They don't smoke. They have regular movement. It's not that they're going to the gym. They're very active throughout the day. Their jobs and their lifestyle are just very active. They walk a lot. And they mostly eat plants. 95% plus 
of their diet on a, any given day, most of their diet is meat, is uh, plants. If they eat some meat, it's very little. It's for a condiment or a special occasion. And independent of that, they all eat quite a bit of legumes, beans, or lentils every day, two to three servings. And so, you know, this stuff everyone can do. Um, this is the Seventh-day Adventist study, you know, who they've been studied. And you can see this is, I won't go into detail, but on the left you have BMI. And the, those that ate the most plant-based, only group that has a quote-unquote normal BMI, which we see that in lots of population-based studies, is that that's the eating pattern that actually supports the healthiest weight. And then if we look on, all the way on the right, the risk of, di of getting diabetes cut in half. The risk of getting diabetes cut in half for those who eat the most plant-based compared to those who are non-vegetarian. And, and it's not all or nothing either. So the more plant-based you get, the lower that risk becomes. And often I ask the question, um, I'm sure you and your viewers get asked this all the time, you know, when you tell someone you're plant-based, they ask, well, where are you getting your protein? Aren't you missing out? That's why I put FOMO up here. Aren't you missing out on protein? Um, this uh, cartoon, actually, the cartoonist gave me, um, uh, authorized for me to add this to my talk when I reached out to him several years ago. Um, but it's such a great <laughs> reminder um, that most of the animal kingdom, these large animals, they don't eat any meat. Um, and there are huge abundant sources of protein throughout the plant-based world. I won't get into those. Um, but the question I always then come back with, right, is that in the U.S., more than 98% of Americans don't get the recommended amount of fiber. And yet fiber deficiency is associated with increased risk of obesity, of metabolic syndrome, of colon cancer. And fiber has all these positive health benefits. So my question back is always, where do you get your fiber from? <laughs> I don't need to tell you where I get my protein from. Where do you get your fiber from? Um, we know that fiber has this immense impact. I know you've had so many people on, Chef, uh, talk about gut microbiome. I won't get too detailed into it, except to say that there are healthy and unhealthy bacteria. What are healthy bacteria? Well, they're the ones that actually produce beneficial compounds that go into our system and actually have a hormonal effect and an anti-inflammatory effect. And those compounds really get produced in the presence of fiber, of what we call prebiotics, fiber being the, the main source. And so, you know, this is these bacteria eating the plant cell fiber wall and then producing things like butyrate, butyrate, which actually feeds the lining of the colon. So the cells that line the intestine, their food, the, the food they need to survive is produced by these bacteria in the presence of fiber. And so all these people who have gut issues, um, so many times, so many times, it's, it's, it's because of a lack of fiber in the diet. Um, and then all the beautiful phytonutrients or phytochemicals that 
plans have. I won't get into all of these, um, except to say that, um, you know, some of these things are like curcumin are strong anti-inflammatories. And some of them like sulforaphane, which is found in cruciferous vegetables, they actually stress us out a little bit. They're called xenohormetic compounds. They have this hormetic or stressful effect, but it's very, very, very mild. And then in response to that, the body actually builds back stronger, produces antioxidants in response to that. And so we have this beautiful relationship with plants. Of course, the pharmaceutical industry is saying, okay, how do we take sulforaphane? And you look, they're using uh, broccoli sprout extract, which is sulforaphane extract for this. This is a few years now, but it's National Cancer Institute website where there was a study looking at the use of prevention of lung cancer in former smokers. Um, or a trial looking at um, its use in prostate adenocarcinoma. And so I say, you don't have to wait to get these cancers or for the pharmaceutical industry. You can start sprouting broccoli sprouts today. They're actually really easy to do. That's something we do. Um, or eat more broccoli and uh, get the benefits of all these things. As Hippocrates famously said, right? Let food be thy medicine. Because we know, and and I'm sure this, many people watching may may recognize this. This is famous from Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn's um, studies, where he clearly shows in the left hand side this is um, nuclear studies, which in basically a few weeks we can see the perfusion, the blood flow to the heart. That's blood flow to the heart. It improves just in a few weeks, even before the actual plaques go away. But we can see after 32 months in this patient, the plaques have literally melted away. That's how powerful this way, no other intervention that we do, nothing else that we do can have this power. Nothing else that we do. We can open these things up with stents and those stents can close off as we've seen. But given the right conditions, our bodies will heal. Our bodies want to come back to this state of balance. Um, and I won't go through all these, but plant-based diets, they, they are good for pretty much everything. You know, I was at the lifestyle medicine conference a few weeks ago and like, you know, it's like the list keeps growing. It's like now addiction medicine and addiction treatment actually benefits from having a plant forward diet, like all cause mortality. You're less likely to die of all causes, right? You're at a lower risk of most types of cancer. Lower risk of type 2 diabetes, normal weight, autoimmune diseases. Dean Ornish has shown that you can reverse early prostate cancer, that you can lengthen our telomeres. We we're talking about aging, the, the, the cellular caps that determine our, our age um, and, the, and whether or not cells will become aberrant, that those can be lengthened with a plant-based diet and lifestyle interventions. We know um, that diet has a tremendous impact on our mood. I myself have a history of depression. And, and that is to say that a standard American diet has so many things within it that actually promote inflammation and promote uh, worsening of our mental health. And one of the reasons may be that 95% of our serotonin is actually produced in our gastrointestinal tract. Um, plant-based diet has also had an incredible impact on our immune system. 
Um, and we see this in the COVID data. And this was, I was working in the hospital during COVID. I was a hospital doctor. And this study uh, came out a couple of Decembers ago in 20, is about 3,000 health, frontline health care workers. Um, and those reporting plant-based diet or a basically plant-forward pescatarian diet that was high in vegetables, legumes, nuts, and lower in meat, they had, so the plant-based diet group uh, had 73% lower odds of getting moderate to severe COVID compared to the, the standard diet group. 73% odds. I remember when the pandemic started and I was working in the hospital and we didn't have this data yet. But I said to myself, I said, what are the things I can do to prevent? We didn't know, right? Nobody knew. And I was going to work and I had young kids at home and I was like, you know, I was coming home and like disrobing in the garage and <laughs> we didn't know these things. And and I said, no, I got to double down on, on this. I got to double down on supporting my body and my immune system in the best possible way. Um, so there's a, there's a myriad. I could, I mean, I, one could, and one had, would, would spend hours and hours talking about all the, the science and, you, you know, but I just want you to reflect on your own health and how it may benefit, how it has benefited from eating a plant-centric diet and then also other people in your life who may be having health issues. Okay. Number five, number five, number five is don't let perfect be the enemy of good. And the point of my talk and really what I hope for all of you is that um, you sort of leave understanding that there is a powerful impact and benefit from incorporating a lot of plants in your diet and that you are not a bad person if you choose to include other things as well. So this comes from my own experience and this comes from like countless research studies in behavioral science that having these expectations of perfection and not meeting those expectations, then in the long term actually leads to less adherence. It's true for movement, it's true for diet. And so really the benefit comes from eating more plants and eating mostly plants. And so I, I just want everyone to remember that because when we talk about plant-based too, I think there's a lot of confusion uh, now I go, I mean, there's so much confusion. The company, the food companies have so, you know, added to this confusion. There's, I go to the grocery store now and like, you know, so many things just are labeled plant-based because it's become a, a health mantra, but you know, what they're using that label on, you know, we know is not necessarily healthy. And there are people who, who are plant-based eaters and, but then you, find out, oh yeah, but I also eat X, Y, and Z. And so there's no like clear, now there are other other terms we use like vegetarian or vegan. And those are more clear in terms of what you're including, excluding. But I point that out to say that plant-based is sort of this catch-all. Um, in lifestyle medicine and Chef AJ's world, you know, in, in this world, we always want to be clear that we're talking about whole food plant-based, right? And so whole unprocessed plant-based is really that is really that. It's it's the whole unprocessed 
food package. And it these are all the different beautiful food groups, right? Fruits, vegetables, and within vegetables, starchy, non-starchy vegetables, and green leafy vegetables, and whole grains, and and then higher fat foods like nuts and seeds and avocados and, and legumes and beans. And a reminder, right, that when you go to the store and all these things are quote unquote plant-based, right? So, oh, and I don't know, <laughs> is there an Ezekiel? How did the Ezekiel bread get? I think that's a mistake. <laughs> no, I think that is a mistake. Well, maybe it's this definitely is a mistake. This is like I have no idea. Waldo. I think that's supposed to be on a different. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like where's Waldo? Find the one healthy thing. In this one... I'm looking at it and I'm like, wait, did my kids do that? Like, <laughs> um. Anyway, um. And I also just I caution people about you know this whole world of plant based food that is coming out, and it's it's it's. Don't get me wrong, it is so amazingly phenomenally better than what is being done with animal agriculture. I mean, this is I am all for this stuff for that reason. I just am very clear that this stuff is not healthy, right? This stuff is ultra processed and they're adding in saturated fat to give it the mouthfeel of animal fat and you know so these things are are you just got to be very very careful not that i don't eat these things once in a while i do choose to eat these things but i'm very very clear when i'm eating it that that i'm eating i'm i'm eating this because of i want i'm at a restaurant and i want to ex experience this and i'm not uh i'm not convincing myself that like if I go get the impossible Whopper from Burger King, I'm doing something good for my health, which, which is, which is not the case. So, so that is, that is just a <laughs> call. Um, okay. And then, and then, you know, for, for, for your viewers or for even like friends and family, you know, like who, who want to do this, but a lot of people just aren't ready or none of that ready or they, they there's a lot of reasons why people can't do this 100% of the time and and they don't have to you can get so many of the health benefits from doing this 80% of the time most of the health benefits i would say from doing this 80 90% of the time which is where i try to get everyone and and you know and that's different depending on your case right if you have chronic disease and you're trying to reverse it then that's a different scenario than if you're younger and you're trying to prevent disease and you're trying to come up with something that's sustainable for you or it doesn't even matter your age but just if you're if that's your goal and so these are some examples you know but there's so many the flexitarian diet you often hear called or mark bitten has a book um vegan before six i have some friends who do this um so all day you're eating plant-based and then you may choose, you don't have to, but you may choose to have something that's not plant-based in the evening. Um, but it gives flexibility. I think that's the whole idea behind this is that the benefits come from eating a lot of plants. And so if you're able to sustain that on the long-term and incorporating some of these things is important to you, then, then that'll make the whole thing sustainable. And this is number six. I would argue that 
it only take a little bit of while for you to come around <laughs> and realize you want to do this 100% of the time. Because <clears throat> that is the framing of like, I think when I started eating this way, I used to frame it like, oh, this is the way I should be eating. Or, you know, I don't get to have the in and out anymore. And don't get me wrong. So I started eating plant-based for three weeks and three weeks, all those incredible changes happen. And then a month and a half later, I went to a steakhouse for my birthday. <laughs> because I thought I've been so good for the last two months. And this, I really enjoy. And, and that night I ate that food and I was like, I don't enjoy this as much. It didn't hit me at first, but um, I remember thinking it during the meal. And then I remember feeling so terrible that night and the next day. And, and I was like, I don't want to feel this way anymore. So, um, so that is to say your tastes change and what you, you know, because look at this beet burger, right? I'm going to go ahead and say it. Like, I don't feel bad about it. Like that looks better than any burger I've ever had. And so I was doing it for health reasons when I started, but now I can't live without plants. If I don't have my greens, I go through my greens withdrawal you know, which gives me my boost of energy and boost my mood. And what happened? You know, I just love how I feel fueled by plants. But I also think and know our taste buds change, right? So when our gut bacteria changes, then our tastes actually change too. And I had spent years eating oily and salty and hyper palatable food. But after a while, you know, you just start tasting these natural, beautiful flavors of fruits and vegetables. And I'm so fortunate to live in California, in Northern California, near Chef AJ. Like there's just wonderful one. I mean, the, so much of the, the world's produce is grown here. And so there's so many farms and markets where you can get just incredible stuff. And when I started, it did require a little bit more planning, obviously. I went through that three week challenge. So I was lucky, like they had support in the sense that we had like a shopping list and we had and so, and one thing that helps is understanding what it is you like about food and why food tastes good. And chef, you do this in your recipes all the time. Like you really make sure there's textural contrast and there's acidity. I know you love California vinegars and, and so, right. And, and umami, I just point out is really what I learned. Cause I like to cook too. If you can make your food, it's that sixth taste, it's that savoriness, and it actually coats the tongue. That's what I wanted to point out in this picture. It's like salty and sour and sweet, they're in these, and bitter, they're in these quadrants of the tongue, but umami actually coats the entire tongue. And what are the sort of plant-based things that you can use to, and there's more, but like tomatoes, and so like putting tomato paste in things is a great way to increase umami, mushrooms, um, and these are umami is like it, it's the meat and dairy have umami like meat when you when you sear it or something like the the amino acids basically that form they they create uh, like glutamate you've heard of glutamate glutamate monosodium glutamate MSG that's actually like activating umami receptors and there's naturally occurring things like glutamate glutamate and other things in these types of things marmite. Um, and miso and soy sauce. So these are ways you can add and seaweed, you can add umami 
Um, and I regularly do this. I, it doesn't matter what I'm making. I now I will just usually I, if I season it at all, I'll put some miso in because you're getting that added umami, right? And I'll add some or you can have you can get porcini or shiitake mushrooms and grind them up in a spice grinder, and you can just add mushroom powder to things. And no one will taste, it won't taste mushroomy. It'll just add this umami, which kind of coats the tongue. And people will be eating your pasta and they'll be like, why does this taste better? <laughs> what, what is going on in my mouth? And it's like, oh, I, it's my secret. No, <laughs> um, I love this is just Googling any recipe and then typing in whole food plant-based and chef, your recipes often come up. <laughs> um, um, and Thanksgiving's coming up. So I love to cook a big, you know, for years now I've been doing this, like that is my roast cauliflower with a side of mushroom gravy and and uh, cranberry sauce and stuffing. And I do make the stuffing with Ezekiel bread. <laughs> I'm not sure why the Ezekiel bread showed up on the side with junk food. But that is to say that this food can be just super delicious. Um, breakfast, uh, these are all just different meals discover the satisfaction, right? Like for those of you that still look at it as this is a chore, this is a punishment, this is something I should do, get that out of your head. Get that out of your head right away. Like it, once you start embracing it and realizing this is delicious, this is even more delicious, it's delicious and I feel good. Like there's, you can't, you can't top that. Like it makes me perform better and sleep better. It reverses my disease. My skin is better. My hair is better. And it's delicious. Like how you know? Like how do you even compete with that? And desserts and people are always like, you know, I have to deprive. Them. No, 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 no. You don't have to deprive yourself. Nice cream, cherry banana is my favorite, and mango with spices is my favorite. And these are whole food plant based cookies and whole food plant based cake. We make that cake is um you know Jill Dalton whole food plant based cooking show. She has this thin mint cookie cake. Um, has become one of the favorites in my family. We make it for everyone's birthday. Everyone's, um, everyone's everything. <laughs> so, oh, I do this. This, this isn't maybe for your audience. This, I should have thought of a different question. Um, I do that. I do. I ask ask this question often when I'm talking to other crowds, because they'll think of like, oh, now nah, if I eat this way, I don't get to have this. And I'm like, you get to have everything. You can have everything. You're just changing the ingredients. And once you get that message, it's like, well, then the world is unlimited. It's like I can eat the stuff I love and it's also good for me. So, yeah. Okay. And you don't have to necessarily cook, right? I just wanted to show like it can be super simple. And this is when my daughter was, I think, like five or six, right? And these are just whole wheat flatbreads with hummus that we made and then just some veggies and cashew parmesan, like you can. And I love uh, the Instant Pot now. I was intimidated and scared of it for many years, even though we owned one. And then I was like, why? During the pandemic, I was like, why are you scared of this? <laughs> And so now I make beans every weekend and chili. And um, my favorite, 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 favorite probably plant-based food is with tacos, but also I'd say nachos. So whole food plant-based nachos, because I feel like I'm eating junk food. Like I feel like I'm eating junk food, <laughs> even though it's like queso made with oats and, um, but it has that experience. And so to me, it's like, this is a win-win because I feel like I'm indulging on something that 
I shouldn't be, but I, yet I am, and it's actually good for me. Um, and this is that one meal I ate out during those three weeks. And I remember the I took a picture of the dessert. Um, people also have this fear. They're like, well, what am I going to do at social situations? And It's like, have you been to a restaurant? Like nowadays, like restaurants are loving, like advertising and showing all these beautiful creative ways to produce plants. I know I've talked to a lot of chefs who have told me that that cooking meat is like, easy and boring for them. It's really the challenge of elevating vegetables that they love. So there's so many great ways and great um, to enjoy it at home. But when you're going out too, um, this was a dessert that was like coconut cream and salad, you know, like microgreens and strawberry. And I was just blown away. You know, this is like seven or eight years ago. I was like, whoa, there's salad in a dessert. <laughs> like, and it tastes so good. All right. So I just wanted to pause there for a moment before I go to the next one. I started off eating for three weeks, 100%. And then after a couple weeks, like I told you, I went to a steakhouse. And then I went sort of back and I was like, okay, I don't want that. And so I would go back and forth for months. I would say the first six months or a year, I would sort of like, oh, okay, well, let me go, you know, it's something like let me go out to eat and and have this thing or let me go to in and out once and every time i would have it i would sort of but what helped was i would say my meditation practice and the ability that I, the abilities i had been developing in what we call introspect and interoception which is like really understanding how you feel internally how your body feels and how food makes you feel so you know my relationship in that way with food has definitely changed because I ask myself, food should taste good. It should absolutely taste good. It should be delicious. I believe that. And it should make you feel good, you know? And what's more important at the end of the day, that momentary pleasure I get or the nourishment I get? Which brings me to my next point, which is that fueling your body with plants feels so good. And this is the, never mind the taste, it tastes just as good, if not better. But <clears throat> this comes from uh, research in the exercise world, but I think it's so applicable for this as well. And you ask yourself this question, like, why do I know so many people that, um, or myself, or you may just ask for yourself too, like, why don't I know so many people that um, know what they should be doing but aren't doing it is what, you know, we call the knowledge action gap. Like there's so many things I should be doing. I should be doing this behavior and this behavior and this behavior, but I'm not doing it. And a big, big, big reason I find many times is the how we're framing that behavior. So we often frame healthier behaviors as that, as, oh, I should be doing this to get healthy. So I give you exercise as an example. So many people, especially people who aren't doing regular exercise, say, I know I should be exercising and doctors told me it's good for me or um, it'll help me lose weight or it'll help my blood pressure. That's a chore. Oh my God. I And you know what? You have so many chores to do. I have some laundry upstairs that needs to be folded. I have a lot of chores to do. And at the end of the day, if I have more and more chores to do, I'm just going to feel more exhausted and overwhelmed. But those of us those of you that move their body regularly, they know, we know that when we do that, 
we feel amazing. It gives us a boost in our energy and our mood. It's not a chore. It's actually a gift. It's actually a gift. And when you look at it that way, and when you appreciate it as that, then you're not asking, how, how, how am I going to do this thing today? How am I going to, you know, when, when, when am I going to make this happen? You're, you're asking, like, how do I get to do this thing today? How do I make this happen? Because it is so life-affirming and it adds to my vitality. And of course, you, you all know the game. They're coming out with, I'm so excited. They're coming out with a sequel that they're in the process of producing. Um, and I just at the Lifestyle Medicine Conference met this, I know, very good friend of yours who's regularly doing interviews for you, with you. Um, and that was a big, um, to meet Robert Cheek and the plant-based athlete uh, was really cool. And I just want to point out, I am not a professional athlete by any means. In fact, I just started exercising consistently for the first time in my life in my late 30s. Um, but I've benefited so much from eating more plants. And I started lifting weights and running. And then, you know, a few years ago, I started participating in these obstacle course races, something I never in a million years in my whole life <laughs> Never thought I would do something like that. And even just going on long hikes with, with friends or with family, like those are things that I didn't do before, that I didn't even think I could do before. And now they've become a part of what I would call this plant-based lifestyle. Um, okay, number eight. So I'm clearly passionate about this diet and I eat this way most of the time. And I didn't expect that I would be now talking to all of you about this. Like that wasn't my intention when I started eating this way, not at all. And I see this countless time and time and time and time again. I work with people, I work with patients. They start shifting their diet. They start experiencing how good they feel. They start changing the, their relationship with food and, and how they view themselves in their life. And then it has this ripple effect and it starts affecting and I saw this early on. I had friends who were asking me, what are you doing? Or how, you know, and they wanted questions. And then they said, oh, maybe I should. Or I had my fan, you know, directly speaking, like my kids. And people ask me, they're like, oh, your kids eat so many uh, healthy foods. And I say, well, young kids especially, but really everyone, they're very impressionable and they model behavior. And so like, you know, this is a several years old, but my my middle son especially has always loved eating salad. Like even when he was like three or four, he would be stuffing spinach leaves into his mouth and he developed a taste for it. But also he's, you know, he saw his mom and dad just eat, like eating these big bowls of salad all the time. So my kids are not perfect. Halloween just came and they had certain amounts of allotment that they were <laughs> allowed to have, um, but neither am I. And I would remind everyone Lesson number five, that perfect is not the goal. Um, and I felt so good changing my lifestyle. That's when I felt so moved. I reached out to Dr. Mosquito. It was like two years after I saw him speak. And I wrote him an email. And I said, you've never met me before. And two years ago, I saw you give this talk. And, and, and it changed my life. It changed my life. And I wanted to tell him that. And it's so funny, like that day or the next day, and he hadn't even seen my email 
Um, I don't know. Anyway, we our worlds collided and he became a mentor of mine. And the first thing he said to me, the first time we talked was, um, you got to get certified in lifestyle medicine. I hadn't even heard of lifestyle. This was in 2017. I was like, what? What is that? And there's this whole community, as you know, as your viewers know, because you have so many of us on, there's this whole community of, of clinicians and people in healthcare who are really trying to make this the foundation of care um, is changing our lifestyle. Um, now we have over 10,000 members in the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. So is is literally the one of, or not the fastest growing movement in healthcare. It can't grow fast enough. Um, so for your listeners, viewers, reflection question is just write down one or two people in your life who you might explore plant-based eating with in a fun way, in, in, a, in a curious way, if they're not plant-based right now. Um, I won't spend a lot of time on this. Of course, there are, <laughs> this is a, maybe this one's a little outdated. There, I just want to highlight a few of my favorite apps, right? So the Forks Over Knives app, which I think still only has like a one-time fee of like $5, but it literally has like thousand, you know, it has like their whole library of recipes all in your pocket um, in a very convenient way, you know, and you make shopping lists. And so I think that's a very good investment. A lot of these companies nowadays are trying to charge you monthly fees for this, this, this. So same with Happy Cow. I think there's a one-time investment. Now they have a website that's free, but Happy Cow has saved me and I've used so many times. It tells you plant-based options, not just plant-based restaurants, but also plant-based options. And it's all like user-generated and there's a great community. Um, and then of course, Michael Greger's Daily Dozen, because people always ask me, they're like, how many servings of whatever? And I'm like, you know, there's a guy, a doctor who's actually compiled all the evidence of what is the evidence-based amounts that you should be eating for everything. And as Dr. Greger says, and I say, this is aspirational. So it is very much a lot of food and you won't hit all these uh, check marks, but at least it gives you a sense of what you should try to be prioritizing. Um, and then I love, there's so many, but I wanted to point out when I started my plant-based journey, like these were the pod, well, not the fourth one. <laughs> the fourth one is my podcast, but the other three, Know Me Athlete, especially, and Ritual, especially, like I, this was in 2016 and I, I didn't have any friends. I didn't have any family that was eating this way. And at back then, and so really, I felt like I joined a community by listening to these programs and getting to know them. And then, um, so if you know someone on this journey, if you're on this journey, I think actually like listening to supportive podcasts is a great way to reinforce. And then you hear guests who are like reinforcing this message. Like I would be eating this way. And then every week I'd be like hearing conversations with people who are like, oh, and it's good for this. And it's good for this. And then, you know, so it reinforced. And my podcast is The Health Feast. There's a link um, in the show notes. And this is, I talked about my practice already, but this is from my website, um, which you can visit. And if you want to learn more and my newsletter. So I send out a weekly newsletter uh, called Rock On. And yes, and it's on Mondays. So it's really to elevate your Mondays and elevate your week. And it's three parts. It's a reflection uh, so a roots reflection, like a question you can ask yourself for the week ahead to really get at your roots, an awareness activity. So something you can do to be more aware and to have a better sense of your awareness. And then a kindness opportunity, something you can do to be kind to either yourself or to others for the week ahead. 
and um, yeah, it's free newsletter. And so the link is there and it's also in the links down below. This is this week's where I talk about cutting my hair, <laughs> learning how to cut my hair and how that is emblematic of leveling up in life. And number 10, which brings us to number 10, which is the biggest lesson I've learned is just because you are a certain person today doesn't mean you have to be that person for the rest of your life. And that's what the word journey means. Many of you are probably, all of you, all of us are on our own journey. This journey of self-discovery and improvement. And if you're anything like I was a few years ago, or you know somebody who is, and you see health deteriorating little by little, year after year, you can take control. You can make a change. And it doesn't have to be a very, very, very big change. It can just be that small change that gives you the proof, the evidence, and the confidence that you need to know that you are in control. You figure out why you want to get healthy, and then you develop a strategy to change. And if you're serious about improving your health, I can think of no better strategy than moving towards a whole food plant-based diet. And that is the last reflection. Write down some ways you can enjoy more plants starting today. And I, again, a lot of your viewers, all your viewers probably eat more plants than they can count. So <laughs> that might be something good to explore with someone else too. And that's it. I will stop sharing. That was great. I felt like it was like a sermon, but in a good way, inspirational. Oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. So that was so, long. Yeah, but no, that's okay. I would, I would keep you a little longer, but I do have another show. At, no, it's okay. I have another. That's so funny. I'm, yeah, I have another. You got something, but but just real quickly, because everybody always wants to know the one question: What do you personally eat in a day? What do you do for exercise? Okay. All right. Well, okay. So I do usually time restrict my eating, so I don't usually eat till. That's just because I like to point out that there's a benefit to. I usually will eat midday. Um, midday, I prep the same meal uh, usually for lunch, which is like um, ground up tofu and veggies. And these veggies change and beans. Um, and then I'll have some like side of like peppers or carrots or something. And I make those meal containers on Sunday. <laughs> um, and then I also have another meal um, before dinner. So I still eat three meals. Um, two or three o'clock, I will eat oatmeal. I love oatmeal and I still eat oatmeal every day. I think it's just really good for you. And I also just love it. Like I love frozen cherries. So I put um, cherries in it and every day I just look forward to my oatmeal. Um, and then for dinner, it's it's a variety of things. I, my in-laws who are South Indian and make the most amazing South Indian vegetarian food, they bring <laughs> food over like couple times a week. So I'm really spoiled in that sense. Um, and then I'm responsible for dinner a couple nights a week. And I'm simple things. I will make like um, a pesto, you know, a cashew pesto. I know I have to go and um, and whole wheat pasta and just cube up some tofu and side of broccoli. Like, and that 
you know, I can have that pesto already made. So that meal I can put together in 15, 20 minutes. Um, on Saturdays, I like to spend a little bit more time and get a little bit more involved. And, and your food. family, does your family basically eat like you with, I mean. Family eats basically like me. I am vegan now for the last two years. Um, and that was like a decision I came to after, you know, for other, for my like ethical moral reasons, but um, but I wasn't vegan the first like four or five years I ate this way. Um, but mostly um, I have not uh, had my, my kids are not hundred percent vegan, but like, that's basically how we eat at home. And, um, and it's interesting to watch. Like we go out to eat and they can order anything they want off whatever menu and they will get the tofu rice bowl. <laughs> or like the, And because my youngest son says his favorite food is tofu. Like, that's the way I want it to be too. Like I want them to choose to eat those things and not feel like they have to eat those things. So anyway. That's great. And what do you do for exercise? Oh, and then for exercise, I strength train four days a week uh, in my garage. Um, and then I usually go running once a week and I do yoga now a couple of times a week um, through videos in my garage. <laughs> nice. there, there's a question. Might you know any uh, cardiologists at Kaiser up here? One of the viewers lives in Santa Rosa. Do you have any connection mm. with Kaiser that you um, might? I do not live in Santa Rosa. So I, I did not work. I worked in San Francisco, Kaiser. So I know some of the cardiologists in San Francisco. Um, but I do know a lot of people at Kaiser. So if this person wants to uh, get in touch with me, they can, um, I think through my website or yeah, or social media or something. I can look into whom I can ask. I know people. Yeah, I could ask and find no, out. Yeah, no people. <laughs> no people. Great. Yeah. And do you have any social media presence if people want to follow you at all? Yeah. You know, the social media platform that actually resonates with me the most is LinkedIn. Um, so I did put my LinkedIn link down there i am on instagram too like um i sometimes i posted that i was gonna be on this uh show so i'm at rock your life r-a-k-y-o-u-r-l-i-f-e nice. uh, and and um i'm dr rock on linkedin so uh there's a, a link down there you can follow me on linkedin as well thank you so much it was so nice getting to know you and hearing your story it was very inspirational Thank you. It was really a pleasure, a privilege to be on your show. Thank you for the time. And I would love to come back sometime. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe even make a depth, maybe make a recipe. You never know. Oh, oh, I'd love to. I would love to. Yeah. I mean, especially if you make Indian food, people love oh, yeah. Indian food. Oh my God. We could do it with my mother-in-law. If you so oh, that, cool. that would be, that oh, would be. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Rock. Okay. Thank you all. You take good care. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Lab. Please come back in five minutes while I reset the broadcast studio for Dr. Elise Atkins. She's going to talk about plant-powered healing stories, real-life success stories. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.